Well, it is, uh, it's good to be with you this morning, and um, I think it was the last time I, uh, I came here, I can't see the gentleman, so I'm okay to say it, but he started messing with my collar and, 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 and you know, doing everything on my jacket, and uh, he says, no, that, that looks the part, you're okay now, but uh, I haven't had anybody do that this morning, but uh, I've had one or two comments on the jacket. It's amazing what you can get off Bilston Market, you know. It's a lot. Now, my wife tends to dress me these days. Uh, she tends to choose. I tend to wear a lot of uh, tracksuits. Um, at my age, I know we're wearing tracksuits, but um, she tends to buy some lovely clothes. And uh, she's on this site called Vinted. Yeah, do any of you use that? It's like she got me a pair of jeans for six pounds and, and stuff like that. She just keeps getting cheap clothes, but I'll wear anything. I'm a Tipton lad. Well, the Lord bless you this morning. If you've got your Bibles, um, I'm not offended, Phil, but uh, my brother supports Aston Villa, so he keeps coming in dodgy gear like that. And, uh, you know, it's uh, from a wolf supporter looking out at us. So I'm going to be looking and preaching to you lot on this side this morning, if that's okay, because you haven't got any football tops on. But uh, God bless Aston Villa. And Wolves while, uh, while he's doing that. But uh, I want to speak this morning on the results of obedience. You know, this is something that has been challenging even myself as a, as a pastor. You know, we have to be uh, obedient, don't we, to the call of God. I was obedient eventually many years ago. And, um, you know, what God did with me, I've still not written that book but I was a punk rocker back in the 70s. Any of you familiar with the, the punk rock? Um, you know, I was obedient to the call of God and God called me out of being a punk rocker to being a pastor. How does that work? Well, it, it's God. God can take, uh, you know, God can take some of the foolish things of this world, some of the foolish people of this world and look what he does with them. And uh, I want to speak this morning on the results of obedience uh, we're looking at Acts chapter 9 verses 10 to 18. It's a familiar story if you know the book of Acts. And this is what it says. It says um, that in Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. Can you say Ananias? Ananias, yeah. And uh, Ananias, the Lord called it, uh, to him in a vision. Ananias, yes Lord, he answered. And the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he's praying. In a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he's come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, I like that. Placing his hands on him. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and he was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. 
You know, if you're familiar with the book of Acts, you'll know that revival has broken out in Jerusalem. Um, I've never seen revival. I don't know what revival looks like. I've been praying for it for, you know, many, many years now, but I've not seen anything of what I've seen in the Bible. And um, there were 120 people, as you may be aware, they were in an upper room and they were waiting until, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And 120 of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. There was tongues of fire. Uh, You know, I've not been in a meeting like that either, by the way, where there was tongues of fire and it was coming upon each one of them. And, you know, that kind of, it filled out onto the streets And you know, when something like that happens, when you get a real, you know, move of God, you you get two things. You either get curiosity or you get criticism. It always happens. Whenever there's a move of God in any church, and we've had moves over the years, some things have happened, but not at this level. People will often be curious. People were asking the questions, what does this mean? What's, What's all this about? What's going on here? But some, however, criticized. You get that every time. You get curious, curious people, but you get critical people. Some, however, made fun of them and said they've been on the bottle. They've had too much to drink. And then we see Peter stand up and he preaches that first sermon. 3,000 get saved. I've never preached a sermon. I've had one or two get saved, but I've never seen 3,000. I'm not sure what that would look like, but 3,000 get saved. And as I read through these chapters... What an addition to the church. There's repentance. Do we want to see some repentance in our churches again these days? Do we want to see some baptisms again taking place in our churches? Teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer, everyone filled with awe, signs, wonders. Everybody had everything in common. Continual meetings in the temple courts. Property sold, possessions sold. It says in the word of God that there were no needy among them. No needy people among them, meeting with glad and sincere hearts, enjoying the favour of the people, daily salvations, a man who was lame from birth at the beautiful gate, he's healed uh, uh, as Peter and John walk into the temple. The number of disciples were increasing, widows were being looked after. You know, as I read to all of that, friends, that sounds like revival to me. That's what I would love to happen in Bilston. We're the next town down from here. There's Darleston and then there's Bilston. I know it's over the, over the border there, but that's what I would love to see happen in Bilston. I walk up Bilston all the time into the high street. There are some very needy people. They just need the Lord. We used to sing it years ago, didn't we, Joss? People need the Lord. It's a simple line, but people do need the Lord. And we keep on praying. We're looking and we keep on praying for a revival. You know, A.W. Tozer said this, Pentecost didn't come and go, Pentecost came and stayed. Did you know Jesus is still building his church? He is, he's still building it. it We may not be seeing too much of the building, but certainly, friends, Jesus is still building his church. And all what I've read about there was happening place, taking place in Jerusalem. That's the good stuff. But then something happened. A faithful man. The Bible talks about a man that was full of the Holy Spirit. His name was Stephen. And, uh, you know, he's stoned to death. And there's one man standing there who's actually reaping havoc on the church. You'll know who it is. It's Saul of Tarsus. The Bible tells us that he's giving his 
approval. And Stephen dies and the church is um, scattered, persecuted. But you know, this man, Saul of Tarsus, he's participating in this man's death. He's arresting people. He's going from house to house. He's going all over the place arresting people that belong to the faith. But even if the church is scattered, friends, this morning, I want you to know this. Listen to this verse. As he neared Damascus, suddenly. Don't you love the suddenlies of God? Where God just steps into any situation. I've seen so many suddenlies happen, you know, in my own Christian experience over the years. I love the suddenlies of God. And here's one for you. As he neared Damascus, as he was reaping havoc, as he was causing damage and having people thrown in prison, even killed, this is what happens. As he neared Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He falls to the ground and Jesus said, Saul, Saul, whenever it's mentioned twice in the Bible, take special note. Yeah? Abraham, Abraham, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute? Not the church. Jesus says, why do you persecute? Me, me, thank you Mons. And after seeing that brightness, he's blind and he's left in that condition for three days. You know, but God was never gonna leave Saul in that condition. God had got a plan for uh, Saul. And you know, this morning church, Junction 10 people, God has got a plan for you as well. Amen? The Bible says this, I know, this is God talking, not me. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Aren't you glad that God has got a plan for your life? If he hadn't got a plan for my life, he might as well have took me home and took me to heaven. Sometimes I wish he hadn't had a plan and just took me anyway. But, you know, God had a plan for me. God has a plan for the punk rocker. You're not going to be drinking all that booze anymore. You're not going to be fighting down the Albion and fighting at the Molyneux and fighting with all these away fans. You're not going to be playing your drums. I'm a drummer. God bless drummers. Amen. Any other drummers in the church? Just me and him, yeah, okay. But you know, I was playing my, dr playing my drums in pubs and clubs and universities and you know, everything that came with it. But God had a plan for this life. Aren't you glad God has got a plan for your life? I wanna look at a few things this morning. This is where Ananias comes in and this is where you come in as believers this morning. The first thing I wanna speak on is readiness. Do you take notes in this church? Anybody got a pad, a pen and paper? You just write down readiness. I know you're clever over Warsaw, so you can remember all of the three things that I'm bringing to you this morning. In Bilston, they have to write it down just to make sure, okay? <clears throat> readiness, readiness, readiness. Have you ever been in a play? Anybody ever been in a play or a production? Do you know my first ever big role was in a nativity at church. I was just a young lad of eight years old and I was given the, um, uh, uh, the part to play in, in the nativity. I was the innkeeper. It took me six months to learn one line. I have not got any room for you in my inn. That was it. I couldn't get that for weeks. I just kept practicing it and practicing it. You know, I'd have liked to have been Joseph, really, because there was a nice girl that was Mary, and I wanted to, you know, I'd have been happy, you know, holding her hand, because I liked her. I was actually reading once about this guy who wanted to be Joseph in the play, and they gave him the innkeeper's role. He wanted to be the one that was holding on to Mary and, you know, they'd got a real live donkey in the church. And so everybody wanted to be Joseph and actually ride on the donkey and come towards the, uh, come towards the uh, innkeeper. 
And you know this lad, they wouldn't give him the part of, uh, of Joseph. They gave him the innkeeper's part. And as I was reading that, I felt sorry for the lad. But he had his moments, I tell you. Because later on, uh, I, uh, uh, as they, they approached, they were coming towards, uh, they came into Bethlehem and they, and they were coming towards the inn. They says, uh, Mary and Joseph, they got off the donkey and they says, have you got any room for us in your inn? And the lad who never got the party says, yeah, yeah, coming in, there's loads of room in here. And, and it, it just, it, it, everybody was confused. Somebody had to get up and say, you're not supposed to say that, there's, there's no room in the inn. So he got his own back. But you remember when you had your first part? You remember at a young age where you were, you were given your lines? I remember that feeling and it was trepidation. It was fear. It was I just need to get this out the way. I have no room for you in the inn. And then that was it. I could breathe a sigh of relief. Do you know there's people in the Bible church this morning that just had one part to play. I know we read of the King Davids and the many other people that did an awful lot of um, stuff. You know, in the, you know, the Bible says that David, you know, he served the purposes of God in his day and generation. But Ananias just gets a one-liner, as it were. He, he just gets his one chance. Readiness. He has his moment. He's one of those people in the Bible that just gets his one moment on stage, really. An unsung hero. You know, Hebrews 11 talks about the, the heroes of the faith. There's a list of them. But I don't find his name in there. Because he's like a lot of others in the Bible that just get their one time. He appears and then he quickly disappears. He's a disciple, of course. He's a learner. He's been converted. I don't know if he's living in Damascus, but he's in Damascus at that time. But he's ready. He's ready. There's a readiness. And I want to encourage you, church, because during the pandemic, there wasn't much in the way of readiness. We've come out of a pandemic and people have gone on about this pandemic and the season that we had. But I think the church has lost its readiness we don't seem to have that that come on that get up and go and readiness to be doing you know what God has called us to do that's why I think I I, I just need to remind you again this morning as believers church we've got to be ready by the way our, our kids on the back row have got my three points this morning so they're ahead of you give us a wave young people that's like that. Yeah, that's what you do. Give us a wave. Great to see you this morning. God bless you. I was young once, just a few years back, but I was there where you are. But they've got the points this morning ready. Readiness. Readiness. And it's that type that God is always looking for. I was praying for you this morning. When I got up, I just, I had you on my mind and I started praying for you that you would be a church that would be Ready for what God is going to do. Do we believe God is going to do something? Are we asking, are we calling out for that? Because if we are, we've got to make ourselves ready. Young people, be ready. Because my wife was ready at the age of four years. She gave her heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and she was ready for the will of God for her life. And I want to say this to you young people especially, get ready for what God is going to do for you. You put your life in his hands. God has got a special plan for you. You just make sure that you're ready. Amen? Amen? Bless the Lord. Ananias says, I'm here, Lord. He said, yes. That's readiness. Readiness. Too often we're too busy. All of us get caught up with stuff, don't we? There's things going on. There's, 
life is just difficult. There's lots of things. We're hearing too many voices these days. Do you know where we are as a church at the moment? Church is filling up and I'm hearing, I mean, they're men and women of God. Everybody's got a say in, in what should happen. A lot of voices out there. But you've got to listen in. God gave you two ears, see? God wants you to listen in to what he has to say, the direction that he wants to take you and put you in. So be ready, a listening person. I've often said this at our church, our relationship with God is a loving one, it's a lasting one, but it's also a listening one. Keep tuning in, church, to the voice of God. Abraham heard the voice of God. Little Samuel. Samuel was a young lad guy. Uh, guys. He was in the temple and he heard this voice calling him. He thought it was Eli, the priest. So he went to him and said, no, 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 it, it, it's not me. It's, it, it's God. Listen in. Eventually that young boy Samuel realized that it was God's voice speaking to him. And I'll tell you something, that man Samuel throughout his life he was bang on when he'd come to him in the voice of God. So make sure you, you are ready and you hear the voice of the Lord. As a believer, we all need to be hearing what Jesus is saying to us. Amen. Jesus said this in John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. And I give them eternal life. That's readiness. Do you know, I often read a verse in the Old Testament that says this, the word of the Lord came a second time. The word of the Lord came a second time. Why does it have to come a second time? Because it obviously didn't come the first time. Look at Jonah. The word of the Lord came a second time. You can save yourself a whole load of trouble if you hear in, if you click in, tune in to the voice of God first time. Amen. So church this morning, come on, Junction 10. Are you ready? Thank you, Mons, and a few others. Stay ready, be ready. Second thing is reluctancy. Reluctancy. Sometimes we're ready, we're, okay, here I am, Lord. Use me, send me. And then reluctancy comes in. You know, God had a plan and purpose for, uh, for Saul. He'd already shown Saul what was going to happen, that he would be restored again. And someone called Ananias was on his way to do it. But something got in the way. Something doesn't feel right. Something just doesn't make sense. Ananias isn't happy. He said, I've heard about this dude. I've heard about this guy who gets letters. I've heard about this guy who has us thrown in prison. I've heard about this guy who causes havoc to the church. He harms holy people. That's what the Bible says. This guy saw harms us, holy people. I'm not sure I want to go and, uh, you know, even meet this guy, Saul. That's, that's reluctancy. You want me to go to him? You want me to go and lay hands on him? And it says on my own, you've got to go on your own. If I'd have been Ananias, I'd have been saying, can't I take a bouncer with me? Can't I take... Security core still around these days. Can't I take a security van with me? Can't I take a, a mob with me just in case he kicks off? Because I've heard about this man. 
That's reluctancy, church. We often get reluctant, don't we? We're saying, yeah, God, we're ready, and then boom. Oh, I'm not sure about that. God, I don't think I, I was expecting it to look like that. I thought it was going to be this, and you've shown me that. And we do, don't we? We, we? we become reluctant. Ananias was reluctant. You know, with God, friends, this morning, uh, sometimes it just doesn't make sense. It, it, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't make sense. But then again, it never made sense to build an ark in the middle of land where there'd been no rain. Sometimes with God it makes no sense, but it makes perfect sense to him. It makes no sense for Moses to strike a rock in the middle of the desert. The Bible tells me that water flowed. It just, it, it, it makes no sense sometimes. It makes no sense to start marching around this big city called Jericho. Well, we've been around it once, Lord. We've been around it twice. We've been around it three times. And you want us to just keep on marching? Yeah, you just keep marching seven times because I'm going to knock that thing down. And that's what happens. Sometimes, church, it doesn't make sense. It makes no sense, but it's always right in God's eyes. Reluctancy, I found in ministry over the years, is a killer. Did you know it's possible to blow your chances? Do you know I had the opportunity once of, there's this lovely girl at school, and we used to have discos. Remember the discos? <sighs> yeah. And I blew my chances with this girl. She was expecting to meet me at the disco. But you know what I did? I stayed in and played an album. And I blew my chances. She ended up with another a lad. And I, I often wonder how that would have worked out. I wouldn't have been married into this lot's family. Uh, don't tell Heather that, Joe. Oh, it's recorded, is it? Press stop on the tape. Do you know what Moses said? Moses says, pardon your servant, Lord, but please send someone else. Gideon says, if it really is you, Lord, any, any chance you can just show me a sign? Jeremiah said, sovereign Lord, I'm just a bit too young. Can't you call someone else? Do you remember Esther? Esther said this, you want me to go into the king's palace uninvited? That, that doesn't happen. Samuel said this. You want me to fill my flask with oil and go and anoint the next king? Don't you know that Saul, King Saul is still alive? If he hears about this, the Bible says he'll kill me. Sometimes church, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it doesn't feel right, but if, if God is in it, then God is in it. Amen? This is where we find Ananias. He's reluctant. Do you know what Richard Back, Back said? He says, what the, cat, what the caterpillar calls the end of the road, God calls a butterfly. I'll say that again. What the caterpillar thinks is the end of the road, God says, that's a butterfly now. 
And often we, we behave like caterpillars. Oh, we think, oh, it's all over. It, it, it's all come to an end. I'm reluctant to do anything else. This is me finished. Church, we're not finished. God has got something new to open up for you. God has got a new avenue of service. God has got something else in place. One thing goes to another. I found that in life and ministry. Sometimes my road has come to an end, but I've just carried on anyway and just kept going. And boom, God has done a suddenly and opened up something else. That's what God does. He takes you through the seasons, doesn't he? Praise the Lord. You know, sometimes I think we're just too afraid before we even get there. And I want to say specifically to someone in this church this morning, as I was praying this morning, I felt God has uh, told me to remind you of something. Because not so long back, we had Easter. And do you remember when those women were making their way to the tomb? They'd got all the gear to, to uh, you know, anoint the body, all the spices and all the, 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 the sweet-smelling um, things to put on Jesus' body. But you know what the women says? Who's, when we get there, who's going to remove the stone? And as I was praying this morning, I think there's someone here within church, there may be, come and see me after privately if you want. You are worried about what's there when you haven't even got there yet. Do you know rock and roll wasn't invented in the 60s? Rock and roll happened at the resurrection. Rock and roll. Amen? And you're worried about a rock. You are worried about something that is stopping you getting to something. And I don't know who it is. Please do see me. But you know, when those women got there, have a guess what? The stone had been rolled away. Stones are nothing to God. Caesar's seal around a stone, it, it, it means nothing in heaven. It meant something on earth. You, you went near that seal, man, you was in trouble. You're, you, you, were, you were dead. But in heaven, it counted for nothing. Mark, get out the way. And the women were able to go in. Mind you, what they went to do, they never ended up doing anyway because Jesus is risen from the dead. Amen. Do you believe that this morning? He's alive forevermore. So whatever you think is a big stumbling block to you, you haven't even got there yet. You just keep on praying because as you, you go, I often talk about working in the waiting. Just while you're waiting, just keep on working because when you get there, what you thought was going to be there isn't going to be there. Ananias, I think he was two things. He was afraid and he was against he was afraid that he was going to get beaten up maybe by Saul, that he was going to be put into prison. And often we are afraid, aren't we? We're fearful of what might happen. I also think that Ananias was against. He doesn't deserve your salvation, Lord. I've heard about him. He's killing people. He's doing all this stuff to Christian good people. He doesn't deserve it. Just like Jonah with the Ninevites. You want me to go to Nineveh? I ain't going to that lot. That, that, that lot don't deserve your salvation, Lord. They don't deserve anything. Against. You'll always get against people in church. Do you know when we did our building project at XL, God gave me one word. Extension. I remember going to the back of the car park, looking over, and all I saw was Japanese knotweed. You ever heard of that stuff? Google it before you get to bed tonight. Google it, it'll give you nightmares. 
And I went and, and all I saw was Japanese knotweed, furniture, settee, uh, there were syringes, there was a gun on the land. I think it was the previous pastors, I'm not sure. But there were, it, it, it was, I looked at that and I felt the enemy's voice was louder than God's. The enemy says, you'll never get there. You'll never get there. You know, I kept on praying. I believe God opened a way there. We, we had that land. We had a new building. We've had an extension on the church. Joe knows all about that. You know, it, it, what, what a journey that was. But did you know people left church? People just couldn't cope because they were fearful and they were afraid. They were afraid of the finances. We're never going to be able to afford this. And okay, we've got a mortgage going on, but what a, what a, what a lovely building. Often I think we're listening to the voices of others and, 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 and you, can, you, can be, you, you can take a step back. You, can, you, can, you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we are afraid and we're also against. They don't deserve your salvation, Lord. He doesn't deserve it, this Saul guy. Do you know when I walked into Tipton Pentecostal Church 40, 41 years ago, you know what somebody said? What are you doing here? Wow, that's just the welcome you want, isn't it? You're living a punk rock lifestyle and you're rebellious and fighting and all that stuff and you walk into the place where you need to walk into and someone says, what's he doing here? My, my hair was spiky. Bring it back, Lord. I'd got a pink sock on and a green sock on. I'd got zips in my jeans and I was a mess, but I went into church and somebody said, what are you doing here? Maybe we ought to be saying, you're welcome here. Amen? Instead of what are you doing here? We, we, do we need your type? Listen, church, you're going to be getting all types of people coming in your church. Wow. Some of these dudes that are coming into Excel Church at the moment, I look and I, I have to say, or oh, the Lord reminds me, Deck, that was you. Remember, look what I've done with you, I can do with them. Be welcoming, church, amen. Never ever look at someone and say, what on earth are you doing in here? We've had people come in with red hair, green hair, pink hair, earrings, plastered in tattoos, the whole lot dress. Oh, well, that was you, Deck. Look how I've made you smart today. That's God. That's God. Let's not judge the people, but welcome them. Ananias was reluctant. <sighs> I've heard about him. He's, he's got previous. I'm, I'm not sure. Is this of you, God? You got time for one more? Where's the clock in here? Oh, there it is. <clears throat> How many of you have put the uh, dinner in the oven? None of you? Good, okay. We'll move on to the night service. We'll just integrate the two, shall we? Just. I just want to finish with results. Readiness, but sometimes reluctant. But results. You know, God never wants reluctancy he wants obedience. The Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. I, look, I love what the Bible says. It says, Ananias went on his way. Clear, bang on, direction from God. Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. That's not the Judas 
that you are familiar with. But go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. And I love what happens. Brother Saul, he just laid hands on him. Can I say something, church? Speech and action mean an awful lot to people that are coming into church for the first time. Now listen, we've got to be careful because we went up to Assemblies of God um, uh, equipping day a, a few weeks back up in Chesterfield and you know some of the stuff that we heard. We, we've got to be careful these days with what you do with people. Those heavy-handed tactics of grabbing people and throwing them on the floor, those days are going seriously because you're going to get yourselves in trouble. I love what Ananias did. He just placed his hands on him and says, Brother Saul, you know, sometimes that is enough. I, 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 I love that. When I read that, I just had to stop. Does God do that with you sometimes when you're reading the Bible? Just stop and take that in. He laid hands on him. Brother Saul. Do you know, as I read those words, gentle words, the act of just being gentle with people. Church, listen. I'm hearing stories that are just, oh dear, no. A lady came into the church and two men got hold of her, told her that she was this and they laid hands on her. Do you know what that says to the world out there? Got to be careful what we're doing. Church, be gentle with people. I know people need the Lord and they come in with all kinds of things going on in their lives, but be careful. Brother Saul, Brother Saul just laid hands on him gently. See, I'm not, uh, I'm not sure Saul got saved when he fell off the horse. I think this is a real salvation moment for, for Saul. The voice, the lovely gentle voice of Ananias. And the laying on of hands there. This is where Saul receives the Holy Spirit. Healed of his spiritual blindness. Healed of his physical blindness too. God's still healing. Jehovah, well in the original, Jehovah Mephika. We say Jehovah Mapha, Jehovah Mophe. God is still healing. You know, there's people in church this morning, you need a touch from the Lord. You know, at the end of this service, the prayer team are going to be over there. I would encourage you, if you need a touch from God, God is still in the healing business. Amen? Come on, church, be encouraged. I was at a meeting uh, a few weeks back. It's happened twice. Same thing. This guy said, I've got tinnitus. You know, when your ears keep buzzing, listening to all that rock music that Joe keeps playing. Uh, your, your ears, uh, they, they you, yeah. And this lad says, I've had it. I says, how long have you had that for? He says, I've had it from about six weeks. I'm sick of it. When I go to bed, it's okay during the day because everything's, there's noise. But when I get to bed at night, I've got this noise. It's like a piercing noise. And I says, well, can I pray for you? I'd love you to. And so he sat there and I, I just touched his ear, just gently. I didn't, knock his head off or anything but just gently touched his ear and I said I prayed a prayer for him that he would be healed man the guy got up he, he says it's gone it's gone 
I says, what's gone? He says, all that row that was in, in my ear. Do you know, two weeks later, I prayed for somebody else and they said, I keep having this buzzing sound in my ear. I says, I know what that is. It's called tinnitus. It, it, it. He says, would you be willing to pray for me? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to pray. And I prayed for the person. He says, hey, it's gone. I saw the person a week later. I said, have you still got that racket in your ear? No, 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 it's gone, it's gone. I, I don't hear it when I go to bed anymore. Praise God. Listen, church, God is still in the healing business. I ain't anybody. I'm a nobody. I ain't a prophet. I ain't a healer. I'm no divine whatever. All I do is pray for people. God does it. God's the healer. And if you're in this church this morning and you need a touch, get up that corner to where the prayer team is. Look, there's the chairs. Go and sit on one. Go and have them lay hands on you. And the sick will be made well. Amen. I still preach this. I still do this. Brother Saul. And he's filled with the Holy Spirit as well. Not seen too much of that these days. People having a hunger for the Holy Spirit of God to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It says he was filled with the Holy Spirit. I've done stuff in my own strength years ago, but I just feel like it was a battery. And it was a battery that went dead until I stood up at Dudley Town Hall. Dave Carr was the preacher. <laughs> he says, I'm not going to ask you to come out. He says, you stand where you are if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I stood up because I'd been praying in my bedroom and everybody else is speaking in tongues and I ain't. And it was the wrong attitude, but I just kept praying anyway. After about six months, it was in that place, Dudley Town, all of all places, I began to speak in another language that I never learnt at Willingsworth High School. God filled me with his Holy Spirit. Bless the Lord. God is still doing that today, by the way. If you aren't filled with that, if you're not speaking in tongues and you want to, come on, there's a prayer team over there at the end of the service. Paul said to Timothy years later, and this is a result, I was formerly, formerly, I was formerly a blasphemer, formerly a persecutor, I was formerly an insolent man, but I, I obtained mercy because I did all that stuff in ignorance and unbelief. Let me bring this to an end because my time has gone. Church, be ready. Come on, be ready. We've come out of this pandemic and I find there's... We battle with this as leaders. Church, come on, rise up, be ready. Here I am, Lord, send me. Yes, you're a mouthpiece, church. I was praying for some young people yesterday at uh, our church. We had a Thrive Day. Some of your guys were there. Um, they've gone into um, the kids' ministry. You know, I was just praying for someone. I said, you know, my wife plays the oboe. You know, it's, it's similar to the flute, but it's different to the flute. Um, <laughs> the, the oboe. <laughs> And you know what she has to do? She has to put in a mouthpiece. The flute's already got one. There, look. See that hole? That's attached. But with my wife, when she plays that thing, you, you can blow all you like into it. It'll make no sound. But if you stick that mouthpiece in, you get a lovely sound. 
Do you know when Isaiah, when God touched Isaiah's lips, he touched his mouth, and he says, go and tell this people. Go and tell this people. Church this morning, go and tell this people. I don't know what this people is for you. It might be your office, it might be your workplace, it might be your school, your college. Go and tell this people. Come on, readiness. Church, readiness. Let's get ready again. Come on, God, what do you want to use me for? I want to be that mouthpiece in my street, in my household. Stick it in and I'll start playing for you, Lord. Readiness. Avoid the reluctancy, church. I'm not sure this is going to... I've heard about... Come on, avoid the reluctancy. Let's get on with what God has called us to do because you will see the results. Noah obeyed. We've been looking at lessons in obedience this morning. Noah obeyed. I know he worked hundred odd years building that thing and only eight were saved. But let me tell you, it was a brand new start from a brand new world because Noah obeyed. Moses obeyed and he led the children of Israel out of Egypt. Joshua prayed and the land was conquered. David prayed. Goliath was defeated and all else. Esther, you know, Esther obeyed, didn't she? And look what happened. She saved out the people of that day. Gideon prayed. He obeyed and the Midianites were defeated. And it says that the land had, was it 40 years of peace? Jesus obeyed. Jesus obeyed. And through one man, one man's obedience, all of us are saved this morning. And the whole world can be saved through one man's obedience. So the results of obedience, I wonder what God has put in your direction this morning. But listen, be obedient to the call. Be ready. Pick it up again. It may have dropped down, but come on, be ready. Pick it up again. Let's go again. Don't be reluctant, but be ready because you're going to see some results in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.